So, uh, Philippians chapter 2, and we are going to be reading verses 17 through 30. 17 through 30, Philippians 2. And this is what God's word says. Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. And I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, your brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is God's word. Father, we ask that you would take this word and that you would write these eternal truths on our hearts. I pray that you would uh, convict us of our sins and that you would convince us of our need for your grace. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So life is filled with patterns. You see patterns in nature all over the place. You can see here, uh, this is a picture, a close-up picture of a honeycomb, right? And uh, in there, you see, uh, some of them are a little misshapen, but you typically see six sides. You see a hexagon, right? Uh, Micah, show us the next slide. So another, another pattern that you see in nature is the zebra, right? Typically you see this black and white stripe pattern on the zebra. Micah, next slide. Uh, Typically, when you cut open a tree, you see this pattern of rings inside the tree. See, God has ordered this world in such a beautiful way, and you uh, you can see the patterns that he has created. And in this passage tonight, we're actually looking at a pattern. Uh, it's, we've really been looking at this pattern throughout all of Philippians chapter 2. It's the pattern of, of humility. But in tonight's passage, we see the humility of Christ, and that, that pattern 
showing up in the lives of Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. And so in the beginning of chapter 2, Paul in verses 5 through 8 talks about this pattern of humility, which is uh, Christ's uh, way of putting other people first, of putting others first. And so you see this same pattern lived out in people who follow Jesus rather than living life for themselves, focused only on their own needs, wants, and desires. There's a new pattern that God creates in the lives of all of those who are being shaped in the image of Christ, namely a pattern of putting others first. And so the main theme of this passage, really, of of chapter 2 is gospel humility, and this gospel humility has a, has a pattern to it. And so this is what, what I want you to see is that to live out gospel humility, you must follow Christ's pattern of putting others first. To live out gospel humility, you must follow Christ's pattern of putting others first. And so if this is the pattern, if this is, is what, what it looks like to have gospel humility, namely that we, uh, that we begin to think about the feelings, needs, wants, and desires of other people outside of, of ourselves, then uh, we should ask, in what ways do Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus exemplify this? How do they put this on display for those of us who desire to live out this kind of gospel humility displayed perfectly in Christ? And then now we see in this passage also uh, showing up in the lives of Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. Uh, so how, how does this passage present humility um, displayed in the lives of these three Christians? Well, the first is this. Uh, there's four of them. The first is that Gospel humility means that we are willing to be spent for God. We are willing to be spent for God. Second, gospel humility means that we are willing to be inconvenienced by others. We are willing to be inconvenienced by others. Third, gospel humility means that we are genuinely concerned about others. We are genuinely concerned about others. And fourthly, and finally, that we are risk takers in service to others. That we are risk takers in service to others. So these are the four, uh, four characteristics of gospel humility that we see in the lives of these three examples, these three Jesus followers. So let's talk about the first one here. Look at verse 17, where he says, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So Paul first exemplifies this humility in that he puts others first. He puts others first to the point that he was willing to pour out even his own life so that others might benefit from hearing the gospel and come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, 
I'm going to ask a question that I've been asking each week. Where was Paul when he wrote this letter? Prison. He's in prison, okay? And he, we saw in chapter 1, he has, a very, uh, he has an understanding that there is a very real possibility that he could be executed for having preached Christ. Now he is in prison for having preached Christ, and he realized there's a very real possibility that he could be executed. He, could be, there, he chooses this language of poured out intentionally, because it's meant to convey the idea of a, of a bloody sacrifice, okay? This idea that he would literally be willing to be poured out so that people will come to know Jesus. What's interesting is actually the, the phrase here, it's uh, the Greek word, uh, well, you don't need to know the actual Greek word, but it's where we get our English word spent from, so if you come to the end of a day and you're really tired from working all day, you would say, I'm spent, right? Well, you guys probably wouldn't. Old people would say that. I'm, I'm spent, right? I'm, I'm poured out. I'm, uh, I, 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 I got nothing left in the tank. And Paul is saying, that's, that's how I feel. I'm willing to be poured out to the point of death just so people will come to know Jesus Without going into all of the history of the drink offering, uh, it was part of the sacrifice, uh, sacrificial system talked about in the Old Testament. And here's what you need to know about it. First is that this drink offering was completely poured out. None of it was held back. And it was wholly offered to God. Okay? Completely poured out and entirely offered to God. If you think about it this way, how many of you have ever, uh, how many of you have ever had like a sibling or maybe a family member? This is probably pretty common if you have younger siblings. But you're sitting there eating something, and uh, they come up to you and they say, "Can I have some?" Have you ever had that experience before? Okay, and if it's especially good, you say no. Uh, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the idea is that you want to keep back a portion of that for yourself because it's delightful and delicious, whatever it may be, whatever's in your mind right now. And Paul doesn't think of his life that way. He doesn't think of his life as this precious commodity that, he is will- that he's holding back all to himself and he's, uh, and he's unwilling to, to give his life away. But rather, Paul views his life as something to be wholly offered to the Lord and completely poured out for the Lord and completely poured out so that people will come to know Jesus. And so Paul, he's describing his way of life, this, this gospel humility that God has put within his heart by a work of the Holy Spirit. He's willing to be completely poured out and wholly offered to the Lord. And this is what humility looks like in the life of the Christian. So my question for you as you see this example in Scripture, do you see your life that way? Are you willing to be absolutely spent, absolutely poured out in, the, uh, in such a way that people will come to know Jesus? Are you willing to exert all of your energy in the hopes that 
someone will come into a relationship with Christ. Or another way of asking that, is there some part of your life maybe that you are holding back? Some part of your life that you uh, are holding on to and you are not wholly offering it to the Lord, but instead you're saying, you can have all these other areas of my life, Jesus, but you can't have this. Maybe it's your time. I know time is something that we often guard with, uh, with, a, with a jealousy, but are you willing to, to say this, uh, the time that you have on this earth God, it's all yours. The time, that, time that, that God has given to you, are you willing to say, it's, it's all yours, God? You do with the, the moments that I have what you desire. Maybe it's the relationships in your life. Maybe you, instead of thinking about how can I love the people in my life the way that Jesus loves them, instead maybe you think about it like, how can I get attention from these people? How can I get the focus on me? Instead of saying, every relationship in my life is going to be, I'm going to pour myself out so that I can show the love of Christ to this person. I'm going to pour myself out. I'm going to wholly devote myself to Jesus so that the people who don't know Jesus in my life will come to know him. See, the reality is most of us look at our time, energy, and uh, even our finances as though they belong to us. Oftentimes, we think of our lives as though they belong to us. But here's, here's some hard truth for you. You were created by God. So that's already one way in which you don't belong to yourself. God gave you your existence. But not only that, if you call yourself a Christian... Jesus bought you with his own blood. Your life is not your own. You belong wholly and completely to Jesus Christ if you call yourself a Christian. So be mindful of the way that you use your time. Be mindful of the way that you interact with the relationships that are in your life and devote all of yourself, all of your time, talent, and energy to Jesus Christ, and to seeing other people come into a relationship with him. You see, gospel humility means that we hold nothing back from God, but we give it all to him. We are willing to be spent for Christ because we belong to Christ. But not only that, The next element of gospel humility is that we are willing to be inconvenienced by other people in order to love other people. We're willing to be inconvenienced. Look at verse 19 with me for a minute. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. That's an important word, okay? To send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Okay, now drop down to verse 23. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Now, you might be asking yourself, why did I choose the word inconvenienced there? 
Okay, so Paul is telling these Philippians, he says that he plans to send Timothy to them so that Timothy can bring back uh, a joyful report about what God is doing among them. Doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like a too terribly inconvenient, right? Other than the fact that you consider that Paul is 800 miles from Philippi. It is a 1,600-mile journey, round trip. And Paul says, Timothy, I've got an errand for you. It might be a little inconvenient, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and see the Philippians. I want you to observe how they're doing and, and what God is doing in their life. And then I want you to come back to me and tell me about it so that my spirits will be lifted. And you know what? Timothy's heart in this is that he's willing to do it, right? Because he says, Paul says in the next verse, he says, I have no one like Timothy who has the same mindset as me, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, which we'll get into that in a moment. But Timothy is willing to be inconvenienced by this request from the Apostle Paul because he sees the Apostle Paul is in prison He's anxious over these Philippian Christians. And so in order to put the needs of Paul first, he's willing to travel 1,600 miles. That's astonishing. That is a heart of humility that I have never seen in my own life or in anyone else's. That he's willing to be that inconvenienced. And it's not like Timothy's just some lackey at this point. He's not some little, uh, you know, little uh, errand boy. Timothy's been a pastor for 10 years at this point. Okay? He's not, he's not some uh, rookie who just, you know, goes and, and does whatever. Like, Timothy is a pastor. And Paul is saying, Pastor Timothy, I have this desire. I need to know, I desire to know how are the Philippians doing? Will you go and see them? Will you tell me how they're doing? And Timothy says, yes, I'm going to put your desires in front of mine. I'm going to put you first. Why? Because Timothy has gospel humility. Imagine that you just finished a long day and, uh, You've been playing soccer all day or you've been uh, doing homework all day and uh, you have a, a, a little sibling that comes into your room and you're tired. You know, you don't, you don't want to deal with that. But they come into your room and they say, uh, Jack, I'm, I'm having some trouble with my math homework. Could you, could you help me? Everything in you wants to say, no, please leave the room so that I may sleep, sir. But instead of saying that, if you have gospel humility, you will say, it would be my joy to put you first. It would be my joy to put you first. That's the kind of humility that uh, that Timothy exemplifies the kind of humility that was willing to travel 1,600 miles just to cheer someone up, just to make sure that they feel cared about and loved. That's what gospel humility looks like when God does that in the hearts of his people. 
that we're willing to be inconvenienced to show other people that they are loved by Jesus. So my question for you as you hear this is, would you say that you are willing to be inconvenienced in order to put others first? Are you willing to be inconvenienced to put others first? Or do you typically want to put yourself first? The sad truth is is that I, more often than not, and you, more often than not, want to put yourself first. I want to put myself first in front of other people. But Jesus came, lived a perfectly sinless life, a perfect, perfect life of humility. And then, but not only that, he died to pay the penalty for that sinful desire to put yourself in front of other people. So not only can you be forgiven of that sin, but now when you put your faith in Jesus, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, God looks at you and treats you as though you have always put other people first, as though you have always exemplified gospel humility. Though you do not, exemplify gospel humility all the time. God treats you and loves you as though you do because of Christ and what he has done, his humility, his perfection, his righteousness offered to us when we come to him in faith. God bless you. And so my, my, my call to action for you guys is... Be willing to be inconvenienced this week. Think, think about and look for opportunities this week to, be, to, uh, to go out of your way to show love to somebody. Maybe that looks like doing the dishes. I know that I say that a lot, but I hate doing the dishes. So maybe that looks like being willing to do the dishes even if you don't want to because it shows somebody that you love them. Maybe that looks like being willing to vacuum something in your house, even if you don't want to, but it might show somebody that you love them. It might show the love of Jesus to somebody in your home. And it exemplifies gospel humility, which is the pattern of life that Jesus calls us to. With that said, I think we should move on to point number three here. I'm just trying to look. We're going to have to blast through the last two. Sorry, guys. Uh, So uh, point number three is this, is that we should be genuinely concerned about other people. That's what gospel humility looks like, being genuinely concerned about somebody else. Uh, Look at verse um, 20. Paul says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul says that Timothy is an example of gospel humility in that he is genuinely concerned about what is best for the Philippians. Timothy cares about the things that Jesus cares about. Did you catch that in verses 20 and 21? So to be 
concerned with your own interests, if that is your way of life, is that, if that is the way that you operate, that you are only concerned with your own interests, did you know that means that you're not concerned with the interests of Jesus Christ? That's what he says here. He says, but Timothy, because he is genuinely concerned about other people, he has the interests of Jesus Christ in mind. And Jesus gives an example of that when the disciples are arguing about, you know, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and who's going who's to have the biggest throne or whatever they were arguing about. Jesus says this. Uh, actually, that was a different passage. But Jesus says this that's, that's closely related. Uh, the righteous will say this. Lord, when did we... When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or without clothes and give you clothing? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And Jesus will say, I tell you the truth, that when you did these things to the least of my brothers, you were doing it to me. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that when you show genuine concern for other people, not only do you exemplify gospel humility, but when you look out for other people, it is as though you were looking out for Jesus. He is so uh, invested in uh, the lives of his people that when you show love for one another as his people, it is as though you are showing love to Christ. That's why when the Apostle Paul got knocked off his, his donkey uh, in, on the road to Damascus and uh, Jesus shows up and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You see, he doesn't say, why are you persecuting the church? Why are you persecuting these followers of mine? He is so united to his people, so thinks of himself as connected to Luke that if someone were to persecute Luke, Jesus would say, why are you persecuting me? So putting Luke's interests first, sorry to pick on you, by me putting Luke's interests first, I'm putting Jesus first. That is what gospel humility looks like in the life of the Christian. So what does this look like in a really practical way? I heard a pastor say one time that... uh, he, he likes to kind of mess with people because we, we, we ask this question, well, how's it going or how are you doing? Because we expect the answer, good. We don't really, a lot of times, we don't really want to hear the real answer. And so what this pastor does is he, he says, when someone asks them that, you know, they're shaking hands, he'll hold on to their hand and he'll say, do you really want to know? I want to do that to somebody. Um, but but the, the point is this, is that if the person is genuinely concerned for that pastor's welfare or for my own welfare, they'll say, yeah, I really want to know. How are you? Uh, I'm going to pick on Steve here for a minute. So uh, this last Monday night, we were you know, talking after the, the elders meeting, and uh, Steve just took a moment, and he just, he just asked, how are you doing? How's Lindsay doing? And it really meant a lot to me. Because it showed that he actually genuinely cares. 
it's moments like that that exemplify gospel humility where we step outside of our own little world, our own little bubbles, and stop thinking about ourselves every stinking minute and start thinking about other people. That really makes an impact. That really touches the hearts of people around us. Gospel humility is life-changing. So would you say that you regularly feel concern for other people and what they're going through? Or do you predominantly think about yourself? What I would love to see in our group is more of interactions like that, where you're sitting down with one another. We, we show up on, on Sunday night and, and you're sitting down with one another and you're, and you're asking, how was your week? Like, like, really, how was your week? Not the superficial, bogus answer that you always give, but tell me straight up, how was your week? Where, you know, where was it tough? Where, where, where can I pray for you? Real conversations, not the superficial. Be genuinely concerned for one another because that's what gospel humility looks like. It looks like looking out for others. And by looking out for others, we are looking out for Jesus and his interests. Lastly, is that gospel humility means being a risk taker in service to other people. Sorry that we're running long, guys. But gospel humility means being a risk taker in service to others. Uh, Look at verse 30. It says, For he, speaking of Epaphroditus, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And so... Epaphroditus, short version, is that the church at Philippi sent Epaphroditus with this care package. We see this in chapter 4, verse 18. We'll get there probably next year. Uh, just kidding. Uh, we'll get there soon. Uh, but uh, so he, they sent him with this care package, right? He's on his way. Uh, it had you know, money and probably food and supplies to take care of Paul while he's in prison. And while he's on the way, Epaphroditus gets sick to the point where he almost dies And rather than turn back, he presses on. He continues on and he goes and he delivers this care package to the Apostle Paul while he's in prison. And Paul says that this is the work of Christ, risking his own life to supply what someone else needs. An example of this would be David Brainerd, who was a missionary to the Native Americans in, on the East Coast, and he contracted tuberculosis while riding on horseback to go and preach the gospel to these Native Americans. And rather than, than stopping, he continued to travel miles and miles on horseback to go and visit these Native Americans and tell them about Jesus. And he died at 29 years old. At 29, so he, he's younger than me, Well, he was, but younger than me. And he died at 29, risking his life to bring the gospel to these people who had not heard of Jesus. And Epaphroditus is his sacrifice. His his gospel humility was similar to that of David Brainerd. So my question for us as we're, as we're trying to wrap this up and as we're applying this is, are you willing 
to take risks for Jesus? Are you willing to step outside your comfort zone so that you might show love to other people, show that you might share Christ with someone who has never heard of Jesus? We're often afraid to step outside of our comfort zones. We're often afraid to take risks. But when we think about the example of Jesus, who he did not remain in heaven, he did not remain in glory, worshipped by all of the saints in heaven and angels as he deserves to be, but instead he came in humility. He came to serve us. He came on a mission to reveal God's love. And he came to be crucified so that he might bring us to God. Are we willing to be sent out and to take risks so that other people might come into a relationship with Jesus? So I want to challenge you this week. Find a way to step outside your comfort zone. Find a way to take a risk for the work of Christ. Maybe that means you have a friend who doesn't know Jesus, and instead of, uh, instead of, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying chicken out, but instead of chickening out, take a risk and say, hey, Jesus is the most important person in my life. Can I talk to you about him? Let's take Let's take a risk this week. Let's take a risk and share Jesus with somebody who doesn't know him. So we spoke of at the beginning that life is filled with patterns, you, in, with all of the images that we saw. But the pattern of the Christian life is one of gospel humility. And that gospel humility looks like we're willing to put others first. C.S. Lewis once said this about humility. He said that humility is not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, and it's not thinking less of yourself than you ought. It's simply thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking more of yourself than you ought to, and it's certainly not thinking less of yourself than you ought to. It's just thinking of yourself less. And that is my exhortation for us this week. Let's think about ourselves less and put others first because that's what gospel humility looks like in the lives of Jesus' followers. Let's pray.